The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, in baptism, the mother of us all. Amen. A young, unwed teenager, plucked from obscurity, becomes the mother of Christ. Certainly, Mary is the most revered woman in all history. And when you think of Mary, what first comes to mind? For many, it is the Christmas story. Mary gives birth to Jesus, lays him in a manger. Sure, there are other stories around them with other characters like the angel Gabriel and Joseph and Simeon and Anna. But let's call all these stories Mary Part One. The Christmas Mary, if you will. The ones that people remember. But can you name the stories from Mary Part Two, three decades later? Such as Mary present at Jesus' first miracle at Cana, turning water into wine. Or jump ahead to today's gospel. Mary and the beloved disciple gather under the cross and amid anguish, amid trauma, and amid grief. Jesus gives them to each other and symbolically forms a new community. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And then finally, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, Mary is gathered with the other guys, the apostles, in the upper room waiting for the promised Holy Spirit, waiting for what is next. Is there a part one and a part two to your life? Some writers, like Richard Rohr and Carl Jung, talk about the first and second half of our lives. And it's not necessarily chronological. In the first half of life, we build our identity our self-esteem, our security. Mary and many people today do that through motherhood. For us, it could be through jobs and vocation, through relationships, marriage, raising children. But in the second half of life, we find our identity and purpose at a deeper level, no longer just about success or keeping up appearances, because something rocks our world. A devastating loss, a failure, a major disappointment, and we are changed forever 
and we begin to see life, we begin to see our lives more authentically, more realistically, and we learn sometimes the hard way that life is finite, that our bodies are vulnerable, and that we're not in control. And of course, if we're shaped by these kind of things early in life, we might say that someone is an old soul in a young body. I've been reflecting on motherhood the past week. My mother turns 85 today. And our dear member of our congregation, Catherine Vegan, died on Friday. A remarkable woman and a remarkable mother. This week, we've also concluded watching the moving NBC series, This Is Us. How many of you watched that over the years? I do recommend it. Because at the center of that drama is Rebecca who faces great loss herself, first losing one of her triplets in childbirth, then her husband in a, in a house fire, then succumbing to Alzheimer, Alzheimer's. Yet she makes something of all these losses. And throughout the series, she is the motherly face of compassion, like Mary. Now, as fans of this show know, This Is Us masters the art of weaving together different time periods, showing how past, present, and future, we'll call them part one, two, and three, inform one another. In fact, the same actor Rebecca, who plays Rebecca is playing a character ranging in age through the series from 18 into her 80s, and I read more than 100 transformations into old age makeup to do that. As the character Jack reflects in the last episode, that's what we're doing, all of us, collecting these little life moments. We don't recognize them when we're in them because we're too busy looking forward. But then we spend the rest of our lives looking back, trying to remember. And part of that remembering is coming to terms, if you will, with loss, with grief, with suffering, and with trauma. Maybe one image for Mary, part two, is the Pieta. Mary sorrowfully holding the dead body of Jesus on her lap. And in our worship space, we have an image of that with George Floyd being held by a mother, another form of pieta for our age. Because one of the greatest pains a parent can undergo is the death of a child, or really any traumatic event involving a child. It's not supposed to be that way. Maybe that is why Christians through the ages have looked to Mary as a symbol of compassion in the midst of suffering. There's a Buddhist temple in Japan where there's a large statue of Canon 
whom Buddhists refer to as boundless compassion. And what is striking is that there are 11 small heads that surround the head of the female deity's large head. And each of them has on its face a different expression of loss. Those who suffer sadness, hurt, fear, shock, frustration, grief, worry. Many religions since ancient times have had a female deity who encompassed compassion. And over the ages, many Christians have looked to Mary as the mother of sorrows. Mary, an icon of God's boundless love and compassion. As Jesus has been portrayed in images from every possible ethnicity and culture, so has Mary. So take a look at the table over there with images and icons of Mary from different periods. Our bulletin cover and our new banner portray an Ethiopian Theotokos, or Mary the God-bearer. And I had to do some research on this because even though they look like little children surrounding Mary's head, don't they? They're actually in the Ethiopian way of thinking, two figures who are angels protecting Mary. There's the image of Mary from Central America showing her with dark skin, Madre de los Desaparecidos, mother of the disappeared, representing the mothers of those who have been kidnapped or killed. This is the Mary of the Magnificat, Mary of Justice, who does not support a privileged white ego, as one writer notes. She's best portrayed as a black Madonna, creatively an erotic earth mother, who promises to guide and protect our planet. Or consider all the examples today of black mothers and slain children. In the past decade alone, in a book called Black Madonna, the author tells the war, the well-known story of Mamie Till, who in 1959 was met with the brutal and unjust death of her son Emmett at the hands of white hatred. Mamie insisted that all the world would see her son's body in an open casket and his mutilated body shocked the world. In all these examples, it is amazing to observe the resilience, the human resilience that can arise from trauma, from suffering, from grief. It is to such a hope that we cling this day. Mary clung to her son through life and death. But more than that, she clung to the faithfulness of God. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. A new community. Out of unbearable loss came the Jesus movement of which we are a part. And as Mary waited for the promised Holy Spirit with all the other men, out of that, came a mission that enlivens this congregation and others even this day. 
It can seem that the second half of life, part two, the challenging part twos, are sometimes filled with too much loss, too much hurt, too much grief to bear. Yet these times are also a new beginning, a time of healing, a time of gratitude for what is. For God pours out the Spirit on us, and God promises to join us with Mary and with Catherine in the great harvest of everlasting life. So at every Eucharist, we gather with them in part one, two, and three as past, present, and future merge together. In all the seasons of our lives, in times of sorrow, in times of joy, divine compassion shines on us. And like Mary, we become the face of Christ for others. Amen.